0: Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word with Circle of Friends podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. We are mid-New Testament survey, um, and we are uh, stepping into a section of the New Testament called the Pauline or Paul uh, epistles or letters. And so... These letters have um, several things in common, uh, the biggest thing being that they are attributed to Paul as the actual writer, um, or at least uh, he is the voice writing. Um, sometimes he did use a scribe, from what we understand, but... Uh, Galatians, actually, he makes a big point of saying, and if you'll notice, I wrote in big letters, my name, <laughs> just in case somebody says I didn't write this. And so basically in the book of Galatians, we're going to see, um, a letter that is written to the churches in Galatia. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but I want to start like I always do, which is where we talk about the who, the what, the when, where, why, how, so on and so forth. Um, So the who for this book is Paul, um, the apostle. Uh, He is writing to the churches that are in Galatia. And this would have uh, included the churches that uh, he initially went to on his first missionary journey. So these are the churches of Antioch, Ionia, Lystra, and Derbe would be the considered the churches at Galatia. Now, what I want you to understand is that you can already see in the beginning chapters of Galatians that this is a circulatory letter. Because it's not written to the book of Antioch, or we'd probably be calling this Antioch of some version of Antioch, or Ionia, (laughs) Um, so we know that this was a letter that would have been passed around and circulated throughout the region of Galatia. The, okay, so those, those cover the who's. The what of this book, um, we've talked about it being a letter that Paul wrote or a Pauline epistle. The other thing I want you to understand about the book of Galatians is that it is, Um, kind of a a gem of the New Testament in that um, it is considered to be, um, how do I put this, like one of the clearest and simplest introductions to the Christian faith. And its focus is justification by faith alone. Um, And Paul's heart for being free of the old covenant comes out really loudly in the book of galatians and we'll talk about why that is in just a minute this would have been a fairly early letter um according to the first couple chapters we know that this would have been written shortly after paul had been with them um because he's he's basically chastising or um getting onto them for deserting the gospel that he had given them okay so we know um that this would have been probably between 48 and 49, um, or possibly there is a later date for this book of 54 and 55. Now, moving on down our little who, what, when, where, we come to why. Why was this book written? Um, and this this book was written to warn against legalism uh, and to defend the justification by faith, as well as he paul's defending his apostolic authority in this book um and so there were multiple things that were under attack um for the believers in Galatia. And you have to understand this is uh, this section of the world is relatively close and easy to get to from Israel and Jerusalem specifically, which explains why there was a, a rich settlement of Jews in this region um, and of wealthy Jews, not just regular Jews, but just particularly, wealthy in this uh, city, specifically the city of Antioch and in the region as well. Um, and so it had a very strong Jewish presence, and it also had Gentiles. And so you had this existing struggle between the amount of Jews and the the power that rich Jews would have had and the Gentiles that are in the community and you have Rome overseeing everything. And so you had this kind of delicate tension anyway. Um, And then in comes the gospel and you have Christians. Well, um, one of the things that kind of happens is some of the Jews obviously convert to Christ and start following Christ and then Gentiles start following Christ. And there's Jews are jealous at this point. And so they're trying to defend um, Judaism and that permeates into the body of Christ. And so you have Jewish believers that are trying to hold on to some of that Jewish heritage and are adding back into the gospel, not back into, but they're adding into the gospel some of this old covenant. And Paul is a very... uh, How do I want to put this? He's very adamant, very adamant that... The, the new covenant, which is in Christ, is a covenant by faith, not by our actions and our works, um, that it is it is through the work of Jesus Christ, not us. Um, and so we have access because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And so it is salvation and justification by faith alone. Um, and so Paul, actually, what you'll see in this book and in this time period If you want the backstory, you need to look at Acts 13 and 14 to really see the historical backdrop of this letter and also to see uh, what's happening within the followers of Christ, in the body, the church, um, at this early stage. One of the first things that they have to nail down is... How Jewish do we need these believers to be um, is kind of the question. You know, what about circumcision? You know, if, if you're Jewish and you come and you start following Christ, you're, you know, there's all of this Old Testament significance and fulfillment of the Messiah. But what do we do with these new believers that are coming out of Gentile uh, Gentile background and coming in? Do they need to become a Jew and then become a follower of Christ? And if that's the case, then we need circumcision and they need to understand um, consecrated food and uh, they need to understand the importance of not having idols. And, you know, and a lot of that kind of stuff had that very... Um, legalistic mindset about it. So in other words, there were all of these lists of laws and rules that were being added to the gospel. Um, and so what you will see in the book of Galatians is Paul saying that's not a better gospel. That is a different gospel. That's a corruption of the gospel. And so he's very adamant and very clear to the body of Christ in Galatians about this. And it actually has the um, leadership of the Christian church at that time, which is centered in Jerusalem, sitting back and kind of considering the issue. Um, because Paul's argument is kind of make them, making them really think. Up to this point, up to at least chapter 7, 8, 9 in Acts the followers of Jesus have all been Jewish. And so there's been this rich history and understanding of Passover and um, how Jesus is the Passover lamb, and he's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And, you know, so there's been this sweet bubble. And then what happens is uh, God becomes very clear that he is adding to the body of Christ, the Gentiles. And the Gentiles don't have that background in the Jewish faith, and they don't have an understanding of Christ fulfilling Old Testament law and Prophecy. And for the Jewish, for Jewish people up to that point, um, there was there were a couple of things that I want to describe. You would have a Jew who would be pretty devout. They would have been circumcised when they were eight days old. They would have grown up with following the rules and traditions and all of that. And you could have a good Jew and a bad Jew. <laughs> you could have one who was following everything he was supposed to do and living honorably. And then you could have one that was living dishonorably um, and who didn't really practice anything. Okay, Then you could have a gentile who wanted to follow god okay who wanted to worship the one true god and these would have been called god fearers okay they wouldn't have been circumcised they wouldn't have been technically made of jew but they were given they were given a status of being a um a god follower okay which meant that they acknowledged the one true god uh jehovah um, but they hadn't transitioned to become Jewish, okay? So that pre-existed the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, Christians, so to speak. Um, so after Christ's death, we have the way starting the followers. um, and it's actually good to know here because that same dilemma followed into the church where they were trying to figure out what to do with these new believers coming in. Um, And so, the Jewish faith was already used to kind of drawing a distinction between, um, well, you're a part of us, but you're not circumcised. So, you believe in God, but... um, And so, there was that distinction. You're not following all the rules. You're not circumcised. You're not... Yeah, but you believe in God. And so if you walked out of Judaism into Christianity um, back in that day, you would have brought that belief with you. And so a Gentile believer coming in, it would be like, well, have you been circumcised? Are you following the Sabbath? You know, are you following the rules from the Old Testament? And so there would have been kind of this hierarchy that kind of emerged from that dilemma. All right. So Paul is addressing that big time in the book of Galatians, um, and it actually leads at the end of chapter 14 of Acts to a church council. In Jerusalem, where they listen to Paul's arguments, they listen to Peter. They, you know, they just kind of have everybody talk about it, um, and then the elders of the church at the time, uh, the church at large, uh, made a ruling and a decision. And then that decision would have been followed by all of the believers. And so that's kind of how things, disagreements would have been handled, so that they kept unity of what was being taught and preached throughout. Um, and actually, at one point, Paul actually confronts Peter on not standing consistent with this stand, um, and that he had been around some Jewish believers and was kind of caving to some of these kind of ideas about circumcision and and following the traditions um anyway okay so all of that said there's kind of a good background for you guys the other thing I want to tell you about the church at Antioch Syria was not only was it a hub but this is the sending church that sent Paul Barnabas and Mark out as missionaries on that first missionary journey now they reported into Jerusalem because that was the headquarters um, but the sending church was actually the believers in Antioch. It's actually the Antioch, Syria, this town, is where um, in Acts eleven twenty six, followers of Christ are first called Christians here, which means little Christ. Um, so in other words, uh, they started coining the term Christian because there were all of these people that were like living so consistent to the heart of Christ that they were like mini-me's walking around. Okay, let's finish our who, what, when, where, why, and our outline and our key verse, and then I'll go back and tell you a little bit more about the context, and we'll actually open up to Acts 13 and 14. All right, so our, um, I told you our why. It's to show believers—I'm um, sorry. It is to warn against legalism and to defend justification by faith, as well as Paul laying a defense for an apostolic authority. The other thing I want you to understand with this letter is that it was actually a beautiful example of an apologetic letter, apology letter. Now, it's not apology in the sense that we know it. Um, Apology back in that time meant to lay a defense. And so this is very much set up in the style and format of a Roman literary concept called a defense letter a letter of defense. And so he lays out structurally and strategically in here his defense of the gospel that was originally given to them, his defense of himself as an apostolic, in his apostolic role as a, um, a leader commissioned by Christ. Um, and so you need to understand that he's, he's basically defending and giving this church in this region... Uh, something to come back to the people that are targeting them on certain things. And so he's, he's helping them answer the questions that are coming at them and the attacks that are coming. Okay. Um, the key verse, well, let's do our outline first. Um, v- chapters 1 and 2 is Paul's defense. Uh, and then chapters 3 and 4 is justification by faith. And then chapters five and six is the Christian life. Um, the one thing I want you to understand is that in most of Paul's letters, the second half of the letter is actually Christian life, like life issues. How you live out what he talks about in the first part of the letter. Now, the letter to the Galatians, uh, to the churches in Galatia, is a little bit different because it is a defense letter. Um, and he's addressing very specific attacks against the church. Um but most of the other letters fall into that similar format. Okay. A uh, key verse for the book of Galatians is the fruit of the Spirit passage, um, and that is Galatians 5, and 23, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Um, and so... That would be the key verse. I will tell you one of my favorite verses in the book of Galatians is Galatians 2.20, which talks about um, how we are crucified with Christ, but it is not um, I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, Um, and that comes out of Galatians 2.20. All right, so that said, I want to flip over actually to the book of Acts and give you guys kind of a little peek into what was going on at the time and um, in this surrounding region and on Paul's first missionary journey. At the end of chapter 12, they had just, Paul and Barnabas had been sent um, to pass out kind of offerings and um, basically like, I guess it would be like charitable, because there had been a drought throughout the region and a famine, and so they had collected money in one spot and had taken it and and basically contrib- contributed for the believers um, to just kind of help, because one area of the church had plenty, and another was really struggling. And so that was Paul and Barnabas's first journey together, actually, and, and along the way probably encouraging believers. Um, and so they get back to the church at Antioch, um, and it, it tells us, chapter thirteen, verse one, tells us a little bit about Antioch that um, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger. You had Lucius of Cyrene, you had Manain, uh, who had been brought up in, uh, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering the Lord to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart from me for me, Paul and Barnabas." Um, for the work which I have called them, and when they fasting fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. Um, which would have been a port, and they sailed to the island of Cyprus. Okay, and so basically they end up at one end of Cyprus, and they go all the way to the western side of Cyprus. And as they go, they share the gospel. Um, And along the way, they are, um, verse 6 says, when they had gone through the whole island as far as, Paphos, which is on the other side it's also a port city um they found a magician whose name was and he was also a jewish false prophet and his name was bar jesus uh who was with the pro council uh, and his name is sergius paulus a man of intelligence and this man summoned barnabas and saul and sought to hear the word of god And then we get a third character in here, or a fourth character. We have uh, Elimus, the magician, Um, and he was so named uh, (laughs) because he was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. And so you can just kind of see it, right? A battle right away (laughs) Um, on this of just this proconsul who would have been like a Roman... uh, uh, governor so to speak they would have served about a year they would have served from like june to july the following year um, and the pro councils would have been over the region much like a governor would for rome um, and so they would have basically been like the magistrate of that region and so this guy's very curious about the gospel and about christ and um and so you have a battle. Don't you? You have a Jewish false prophet and you have some guy that's a magician that are trying to keep him from seeing Jesus for who he is. Um, Paul comes in and actually says the following, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? I'll be honest. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) There are some of us that we might need to consider saying that to a few people around us, aren't we? Um, That seem to want to make the straight ways of the Lord very crooked. We live in that day and age, don't we? Um, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who could lead him by hand. And when the proconsul saw all of this, he believed... Um, being amazed at the teachings of the Lord. Paul and his companions go out to sea, and they go from Pappos up to Perga, um in pamphylia and this is where we're going to start getting into a lot of the inner ionia lystria under derby um and so it's basically if you can understand the island of crete is kind of down below and so they're all the way on the west coast and they go straight north pretty much um and they land up in uh basically the port city for the upper region and then from there they go inland a little bit and they're, they're basically looking for towns that are big enough with enough Jewish population that they have synagogues. And so one of the reasons is because when they go into a town, the first thing they do, in verse 14 of chapter 13, you can see this. When they arrived at, um, and I'm going to mess this up, Pisidian, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After re- the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, please say it. Paul stands up and motions with his hand, um, men of Israel. And then he begins like a little speaking, preaching moment. Um, And what follows here is one of the most beautiful... Uh, in, like, concise retellings of the entire Old Testament. It's, it's truly magnificent to look at this. Um, and so, you know what? Just for, just for whatever, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, verse 17 says, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. With an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Truth, right? And when he had destroyed the seven nations in the land of Cana, he distributed their land as inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. Verse 20. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. Verse 22, after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Verse 23, from the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance, to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, the sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem, their rulers recognize neither him nor the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. i um, sorry. They fulfilled those prophecies by condemning Jesus. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he might be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, all of those prophecies, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Those are the disciples, the very ones who now are his witnesses to the people. We preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus. It is also, As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son and today I have begotten you. So I want you to kind of see here. This is how he lays his defense to Jewish believers. He walks them through the Old Testament. He reminds them of all the prophecies that the Jewish believer, the Jews in Jerusalem, fulfilled to the letter. He walks them through all of it. At the end of this, verse forty-two, they literally beg to hear more, um, and so verse 44 says the next sabbath nearby um the whole city assembled to hear the word of the lord verse 45 here we go but the jews saw the crowds and they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by paul and were blaspheming paul and barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you reject it or repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. But can't you hear that, that dueling between the Jews and the Gentiles? You can feel it in the culture of the time. Um, okay. So what happens here? Okay. I want to read the next one because this is, you can feel what's going on in town. Um, it says "And the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many has been appointed to eternal life, believed the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas. And they drove them out of their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. The disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So you can kind of feel, and we'll pick up um, next week with chapter 14 because I really do want to give you the background to the, the book of Galatians so that you understand some of the themes that are written in it. Thanks for, for joining, and I'll see you next week.